Welcome to another episode of the Reboot Chronicles, a no-holds-barred forum with global leaders, authors, entrepreneurs, and CEOs about how organizations stay focused on growth and innovation in unprecedented times. I'm your host, Dean DeBias, coming to you live from Revive's North American headquarters in Chicago, and we would like to thank you for joining us from around the globe today. I'd like to welcome Stephanie Dismore to the Reboot Chronicles. Running North America for HP, Stephanie leads all the go-to-market strategy with a multi-billion dollar P&L for direct and indirect sales across HP's portfolio product services for commercial, consumer, public sectors, you name it. One of Silicon Valley's first tech companies, founded in a garage by Bill Hewitt and David Packard in 1939. Yes, folks, almost 100 years ago. The company has, uh, obviously, many of you know, split into two in 2015. So flash forward to today, and the Palo Alto-based HP employs over 50,000 people in over 170 countries, who last year generated over $63 billion in revenue. So not bad for a company that's been split in two. With its recent investment by Warren Buffett, the acquisition of Poly, and their other emerging, what I call somewhat hip brands like Z and Omen and Hyper and A-Prize, HP continues to reboot itself, stepping up in the market and doubling down on gaming and peripherals and hybrid work solutions and much more, which we're going to talk about. Stephanie, it's so good to see you. Yes, Dean. Thanks for having me. It's great to see you as well. Yeah, it's... uh... So much to talk about. Uh, you know, we love tech on the Reboot Chronicles and uh, the audiences, uh, you know, both big companies, small leaders, and uh, as well as consumers of your products. But um, I guess what's going on in the North America region? It seems like a very competitive space. And uh, maybe give us a little uh, update what's, uh, what's new and exciting in North America these days. Yeah, that's a great question. And, you know, I love the title of your podcast, which is Re- Reboot Chronicles. Oh, uh, if you think about the last couple couple of years, I think, um, you know, as a globe, everyone's had to reboot in some form or fashion and no different at HP. Um, you know, over the, the, the two and a half years that we've been in the, the pandemic situation and even pre-pandemic, um, our focus has been and continually um, is transformation. And how do we continue to transform ourselves um, to a vibrant company that's relevant in the current market situation? Right. Uh, and if you think about it, Dean, you think about how many people you've talked to over the years that um, come from a company that's been around and still around 100 years later. So I would tell you if there's anything that HP does, um, does well um, and, and does the best, it's, it's this constant drive for transformation and in- innovation. Yeah, and it's uh, it's such a competitive market. You guys have been through so many things. Uh, you and your CEO and team are, you know, probably don't get credit for enough of what's going on. But what an exciting time! You know, we uh, you know we're headed into twenty twenty three here. You've just picked up yet another company, Poly, and a bunch of other brands that some people maybe don't know about. But can maybe uh, without getting too geeky, as we say, maybe give us a little, uh, you know, just you know the breadth and depth of the product line these days. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, you know, some of the things that we've been doing, and, and you mentioned those acquisitions, are largely driven by the change in the market. Um, and, and again, back to, I'll tie it back into this whole idea of reboot. And if you think of what's happened in the market, um, you know, everyone that you talk to probably brings up the word hybrid in some form or fashion. Yeah. And, uh, you know, when we look about at cars it, either. <laughs> exactly, exactly. When we look at hybrid, we look at, um, you know, challenges, which we translate to opportunities, both um, internal and how we're managing our company internally. But we also look at how can we deliver 
products and solutions um, to people that um, help with this new hybrid uh, environment. Right. And there's a lot of things we're doing, whether that's things that we're doing internal to HP, which is you know really focusing on the the, the frustrations that um, IT decision makers have on how they look at security in a in a hybrid world. Um, you know, how do they manage devices um, in, in lifecycle management end to end? How do people hear and sound on, uh, you know, virtual meetings uh, like the one <laughs> we're doing right now? Um, and how do we make sure that people show up looking the best, sounding the best, et cetera? Um, you know, and so, you know, over the last, uh, you know, 15 months, we've done a series of acquisitions to build upon our products and solutions to enable those things. Um, we've just announced um, and officially uh, acquired um, Poly. Very, yeah, very finally excited. Finally closed about- it. That's exciting. Yes, finally closed it. They're going to be a big part of our portfolio. Uh, we believe that they will totally complement what we're trying to do um, again in this in this new hybrid opportunity. And we sync that up with some of the other acquisitions that we've done as well, like HyperX, mm-hmm. focused on you know the gaming enthusiast. Very um, cool stuff talking. in that portfolio. Yeah. I love it. Super cool, and it really aligns, as you mentioned, with our our brand Omen and our Omen gaming um, solutions as well. Then all the way up the stack to an acquisition we did with Teradici. Um, and Teradici is, a, a, you know, a great little company. They were based out of Canada and this whole idea of, of being able to work from anywhere, right? Whether that you are, uh, um, do even doing high end, uh, things that you would do on a workstation. Um, and how do you actually collaborate and work together remote? And Teradici does an incredible job with remote management and PC uh, yeah. life cycle. So yeah, it really, it's really takes exciting. It, to the, it really takes it to the next level, whereas most people, they're just like doing Zoom and they're not drawing and collaborating. I mean, there's a lot of tools out there that do that, but the um, I bet that's a, 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 a great way to help your you know clients figure out, you know, how do you actually make it not just work, but make the hybrid mode more a more competitive way to run a business, whereas they, a lot of them are just in survival mode now. It's like, great, how do you leverage it? By the way, what's uh, what's going on with HP? When you look at 2023, it's like, is it, uh, hey, everybody, get back to the office and get to work? Or are you guys going to just um, practice what you preach here? Yeah. <laughs> well, like I said, lots lots have changed. Um, and so what's going on with HP? Number one, you know, our focus has been, um, you know, thriving, right? So, so how do we come out of what we've been through? We are just like everyone else. We suffered from a lot of supply shortages due to this incredible spike in demand during the the heart of COVID, you know, coming out over the last couple of months to, you know, what we're all facing uh, with macroeconomic challenges with inflation and even a slowdown on consumer spending, especially mm-hmm. in the categories that we play on the consumer side. So, so the question that you ask is a good, is a great one. You know, what are we thinking about? What are we focused about? You know, what do we get up excited about? Um, and so there's a couple of things. One, it's, we're focused on our people. Um, I'm a big believer that uh, you will either thrive or not um, based on the people yeah. um, in your organization. So we put a lot of focus around people and and what we need to do to encourage um, and um, you know really bring that that heartbeat of HP down t- to everyone in the organization. Um, we talk about hybrid. We talk about the you know the pandemic, and then we really start to peel that onion back and say, what does that mean to our people? 
Well, just like everyone else, our people are um, coming out of COVID with um, a little bit of meeting exhaustion, um, you know, balancing, you know, home life and work life in a way that we've never had to do it before. You know, this idea of unprecedented uncertainty that's happening, um, you know, whether it's in your work life or, or your personal life. Right. And so we focused on a let's focus on our people first to let's provide the right culture where, where folks can thrive. And what we've learned is um, the most important thing that, that, that our team wants is flexibility. And how do we enable flexibility so people, we're a company where people want to work and we enable, um, you know, the, the, the environment to bring your best work. So we've done so many things, whether that's uh, implementing, you know, hiatus from the hustle days to, to eliminate meetings, all the way to yesterday we just announced, which I'm really proud of, this whole idea of flexible vacation. Um, I'll take that, yeah. Yeah, Sounds right, <laughs> right. No, no more vacation, um, you know, uh, for exempt employees, no more, you know, documenting your vacation hours and, and uh, you know, having a cap on vacation. We're basically just saying, hey, we want to build this idea of trust um, and accountability to everyone. So take vacation, work with your manager, your direct manager. Um, and, you know, if, if you need to, you can, you can work during vacation. If you're going to take off, you know, solid vacation time and just focus on your personal life, that's great. But we're going to take away all of the, uh, the, that, the handcuffs that tie you to a, a capped or a set time and just say, take vacation when you need it. And, and we're really excited about implementing these types of different, um, I would say breakthrough, like the first, um, to, to see how we can enable and help our, our team and our people. Right. So that's number one, people. The second thing we're, we're, we're focused on um, is training our, our people and really having this idea of school of talent, where we're always providing opportunities for growth, whether that's training or skill sets or, or promotions or rotations um, for our organization. We have that. If that's your base layer, almost like Maslow's, um, you know, hierarchy of needs. <laughs> yeah. Then we get into innovation, right? And we get into driving our products and solutions. And that's where we get really excited about how can we continue to create products and solutions that help people create, help people produce, um, help people's, um, you know, work and personal lives be seamless with the use of technology. And at the end of the day, that's really where we're focused on. And we see some some areas that are in our core business. And then we also see some exciting areas that we call our, our growth areas um, where we're going to double down on. And it's, you know, the areas where you've actually seen us, uh, like we just mentioned, make some acquisitions. And, and I think we're going to continue to drive in that area. Yeah, I love that. Uh, let's talk about that some more, whatever, I'll peel it back. So, you know, we look at here at Reboot Chronicles, you know, how can you like drive growth and innovation? So there's the build stack, there's the buy stack, and there's the borrow stack partnering. You're actually good at all. You're definitely good at the um, at the buying. You're definitely good at the um, at the uh, borrowing, which is partnering. Mainly channel partners go to market, all that stuff, but also mm. on the development side. Let's talk about internal innovation, HP Labs. What's what's come out of there uh, lately, and what do you what's the roadmap look like that you can talk about? Yeah. So, so the focus, like I said, is, is absolutely looking, um, based on insights and what, what do consumers, what do IT decision makers, what do people start. need, right? Yes. <laughs> based on those insights, what is that all about? And, and in terms of, um, the focus from HP Labs, which by the way, I, I couldn't be more proud to be a part of, um, it's American icon of, for gosh. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. 
And, and the thing that we're hearing loud and clear is this um, um, concern and need for security. And, you know, I'm sure you've heard it. I'm sure you've had guests on here talking about cybersecurity. I, I speak on it publicly on, on corporate governance. It's just everyone thinks, yeah, we've solved it. It's going away. I'm like, it's just begun. They're like, it's you've been talking about begun. this for 10 years. I'm like, it's just begun again. It, <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> no, it's I'm real. so glad you brought it up. No one ever wants to talk about it. So, uh, well, yeah, it's it's um, it's definitely a challenge, right? There's a lot um, of of different different areas where you that you know your network and your system is vulnerable, and so the focus is it's almost like you, you've never arrived. You, we just continue to drive um, and and look for ways that we can continually try and 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 drive and make changes. So you know that was one of the big things that we led with, and um, you know and and you know we've we've launched some products called HP Wolf Security. Um, which is, you know, the, everything that's embedded into our PCs and printers right. um, that gives us the right to say, hey, we have the most secure PC in the market um, based on our security levels that, you know, we're operating below, at, and above the BIOS. And, and focusing on things like that, like just like kind of think of sprinkles of magic as well, right? Yeah. W- what we're trying to do with our HP Wolf security is really provide a, a resilient um, defense against malware and hacking. Right. But the, the sprinkle of magic is, hey, what we hear from our insights is that we need um, you need all this to happen in a seamless way. And we also want to you know, reduce the time it takes for those updates and allow users <laughs> to stay productive and continue to working during the BIOS and the firmware updates. Exactly. And so those are some of the proof points that, you know, that our team's been able to execute and Sure enough, now where it's a 50% reduction in that update and it can allow you to continue to work and be yeah. productive. So take, those little things. Take that, Android, shutting down my phone all the time. Um, <laughs> is that why, I mean, the and the remote work thing has made it just compounded cybersecurity so much because people are, just, everything's unsecure. I mean, it's like they lock their house, but everything is kind of loose. Is, is that why your HP printers, every time you do setup, it makes you go to the app and kind of register? So. Because technically, you could print onto anyone's printer now because they're all connected. And it, it seems like you guys took it. To, I was doing a setup, I don't know, a month ago. And you, you've taken it to the next level where you're forcing a little bit of, in a nice way, in a good UX way, a, a little layer of security in there. Or did I just make that up? No, you did not make that up. I love that you I'm brought that good, up. I'm and... good at making stuff up sometimes. <laughs> that's what it felt like when I was going through the setup without getting too geeky here. It's, uh... No, you're absolutely right. And there's all different lenses, right? There's We can go to the super technical side of security, and then you could go to the most basic, which to your point is, think about you know hospitals, right? Healthcare industry. Uh, oh, yeah. Think about, you know, different folks printing on different printers, which could be anywhere. And it's, you know, potentially patient information that lands on the wrong floor and the papers were never picked up. And there's a massive breach of security um, with HIPAA just because, uh, you know, somebody printed to the wrong printer and didn't realize. And here's all this, you know, confidential. <laughs> that would have been me. Yes. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So now we, we're implementing all kinds of different things. Um to prevent those things from happening, to put in codes to pick up your print, um, if you're in a you know a, a inst- you know more of an institution environment or even a home environment, right? And even in a home environment, you know we've launched things like um, Instant Ink, but largely what we've added to, to Instant Ink is the idea of this um, automated uh, security monitoring, monitoring. Um, with proactive alerts and pre-configured features for advanced uh, security. I thought you were just trying to 
sign me up for a subscription of more ink, but okay. Well, well, you know, that wouldn't be bad either. So if you choose to do that, we'd love for that. (laughs) Got a lot of offers. What else is coming out of the labs though? This is, uh, and, and, and back to the bill by bar. So, so, you know, a lot of companies from you to something unrelated, like, like Unilever, treasure trust of labs people, but they're also starting to, you know, we've got this program called dancing with startups that allows large corporations to partner with startups all over the world. And, what to tell us about what you guys are doing there in terms of partnering with startups or uh, what we call co-creation here at Kellogg. Yeah. Well, you know, the HP labs team to your, I love what you said about, you know, creating and then also borrowing and leveraging from others. Build by borrow. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, And that's exactly what, what HP labs is all about doing on all three of those areas. And so to, to your point, what are we doing with, with, you know, you know, small businesses, startups, how can we partner uh, is there, you know, acquisition opportunities? That's exactly where we're focused based on, you know, where we're driving and growing um, the overall, overall organization. So if you think about what I just kind of highlighted from a hybrid perspective, right, how do we drive and how do we create, build um, and sell, right, the right value proposition um, for our customers? That's, mm-hmm. you know, in our world, building and then acquiring. And you look at someone like a Teradici is a very small company that we acquired. You look at Polly, a little bit larger company that we acquired and the team is going to consistently look and search for the best of the best to find opportunities that um, benefit and complement what we're doing internal to HP based on where we're trying to go in terms of a value proposition. The other thing I use that lens for is figuring out who's your friend and who's your enemy. And you know, you know what the word is in between, right? The overused word frenemy, but um, how do you determine that you have a massive network of partners? I don't know how many hundreds, just probably in every region. Thousands. Yeah. 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 Thousands. Um, Yeah. How do you determine, Hey, Zoom's a partner, but you guys aren't, Uh, you know, how do you, it's, it used to be easy for me to tell the audience here who your competitors are. Now I'm not so sure. You know, I, I love that. I would say that we have had the co-opetition phenomena in our world for um, for a long time, and I think it's just expanded and and probably got a little bit even more complicated. Yeah. So we know how to maneuver and operate. A great example of my, co-opetition. my impression is sorry to interrupt is that you guys actually are more cooperative than others. Maybe too much. I don't know. I'm going to say we're right where we need to be. Uh, and you tell me, you tell me what you think, but, um, thank you. Thank you. I'll take it. Um, no, but just, you know, let's take our great partner, Microsoft. Microsoft is an incredible partner. Um, one of our, you know, most strategic alliance partners there is, and they also are a competitor in the hardware space. space, Right. And so we we can go back, you know, decades. Big chunk of their revenue actually, but it's kind of a rounding error. If you look at the overall, if you look at cloud, it's exactly bigger opportunity. But anyway, that's your enterprise separate company. Exactly. Right. Um, But that's just an example of this idea of co-opetition. You think about our channel partners, right? To your point, we have thousands of channel partners and, and HP is a channel first company. Mm-hmm. Um, and how I would describe that is that our channel partners, whether that's a commercial channel partner or a public sector, right, um, or even a retail channel partner, whether that's Amazon, Best Buy, et cetera, right. uh, they are right. not just a partner, but they are an extension extension of HP. And that this is what really separates us from some of our hardware competitors is that we really um, believe that our partner community is absolutely critical. In fact, 
still roughly, you know, 80% of our business is still um, driven through the channel. And so back to your question, like, how do you decide if Whoa, you're a, that you're, was my next question. 15% is direct? Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Okay. All in globally. Um, and, and so what we do with our channel partners is we obviously work very, very closely with them. But we also try to understand where their focus is and what their value proposition is to their customer, our, our customer. And then, and then it's a co-opetition in some cases as we drive and grow hmm. right. our workforce solutions, right? If we have lifecycle management or if we have, you know, configuration and factory configuration, well, maybe a distribution partner of our also offers configuration um, they also offer, um, you know, tagging or, or asset tagging or um, you know, staging, et cetera. Mm -hmm. We work with them and say, that's your business and your opportunity. How do we complement that? Right. How do we add our services to complement what you're doing? And so it's a it's never it's never a very simple or easy. But that's the that's the methodology that we take. And it's it's a, it's the way you're successful in doing that with a network of thousands of partners is to have, you know, true. Um, trust and intimacy with your with your with your channel, um, and that's uh, for us have, have been the kind of the the the, D the DNA and the lifeblood of HP over the last decade, and, and it will continue to be that. Yes, and you you as a leader, you've got consumer and B two B. So when you look at the consumer opportunity, a lot of people they don't think HP right away, but they do when you're talking about all the other brands that you've uh, picked up, like ZHP and Omen and Hyper and Aprise and others so how do you how do you think about growing your consumer brand or, or brands i guess it is but uh, portfolio um uh, what how's that look over the next yeah. uh, is that a big push area it, it seems absolutely. like a massive opportunity for me yeah absolutely and and you saw the results from from covid with the shift with everyone going oh home yeah. and working from home and and you know the the, just, the just, pandemic just like logitech and zoom alone is just exactly like, Exactly. Right. Amazing and the, and the question then becomes, who is the buyer? Is it a, is it a B2B buyer or is it a, um, is it a home buyer for their office use? Yeah, that's this, what I always tell people. It's like the B2B buyer is a consumer. Hello. Exactly. Exactly. So when we think about, you know, how do we grow our consumer business, you know, in call it retail or in, online or in a marketplace even, or with a VAR, it's, it all, it, I would say those lines have been, um, they're, they're, they're becoming less, um, severe and uh, we have to realize that there is a, yeah. a buyer, right. That is needing technology or needing a service or needing a solution for their needs. And it could be, um, uh, for work or it could be for personal and they could buy it from a VAR. They could buy it direct from HP or they could go into a Best Buy store or, you know, on, you know, staples.com. It could go all over the place. And our goal here is to say there is a huge opportunity and the TAM is significant for us to capture um, that buyer if we are positioned in the right way, which is we have the right solution for you. We're not um, bifurcating between consumer versus commercial. Yeah. And therein lies the opportunity, right? Again, think about now, how do you, how do you shop? How do you socialize? You know, how do you work? How do you learn? Granted, we're all moving back to a little bit more kind of pre-pandemic um, levels, but I don't believe we'll ever go back to the way we were pre-pandemic. I think 
I think the way we shop will increase to be more and more from a device, right? I think the way we socialize and we get together and we communicate, think about um, grandparents and and young children and how they communicate through things like Zoom and and Teams, et cetera. So it's, it's creating that right environment for all of the the needs that that a customer has, and I think that's the opportunity. I think you're right. We're not going back. Not that we should. And for some, you know, the last few years for some companies has been a blessing. For others, a curse. Uh, by the way, an alert for you people in Singapore. She used a buzzword there: TAM, Total Addressable Market. She's talking about billions of dollars, and and it, it's just um, it is fascinating the way you're, you're kind of you know, co-marketing, you know, business and consumer, because, you know, some VARs, value-added resellers are, they actually are doing the value-added. They're making money on the install and the integration or the home sounds, whatever it is, you know, and uh, others are just schlepping hardware, as we say. Um, It's like, how do you, um, how do you balance the, uh, like when you look at the next wave, let's say, you know, looking out to 2025, that 85-15 split, um, is that, is that a good thing? You want more and more of this to go through channels that are targeting communities of, of interest, so to speak, or do you want HP to be more of a direct to consumer brand or is that too much of a question? No, no, it's a great question. And I, I would answer it in a different way. I, I would, hmm. I would say our goal is to make sure that, um, HP's products and solutions are um, the experience that you have with HP is the best it can be wherever you want to purchase it. Whatever your quote shopping journey or buying journey is, Mm -hmm. we want to be there. Whether if you choose um, to buy it direct, great. We want to have a great experience for you to buy it direct. If you choose to buy it through a VAR or an NSP, great. We want to have the, the best experience uh, for you to, to purchase and, and get not only just the purchase, but get the support, get the insight, get the advice, um, get the, you know, the customer service um, that you're expecting and even um, over deliver against that. If you want to pop into a retail store, we want to make sure that experience is you know, better than your expectation there right. and then even online. And so right. a big focus for me in North America is, is really making sure that we are managing um, our channel and our direct business in a way that we show up consistent um, across all platforms. And I think that's the focus. It's, we don't really have a focus to say, hey, we want to have our, um, our mix driven this way or that way. We just want to make sure that we're managing it as such that it's the best experience wherever you choose to buy. Yeah, it's really smart. It's just like you, you, you meet the customer where they are. And you're right, some of them want a touchy-feel experience at a, at a Best Buy, uh, maybe Staples. I don't know. You don't hear that as much, but I tend to see a, no, lot, it's of true. Business, a lot of business buyers there too. And others, they're just like, I don't know what I want. And while we're talking, they've already bought it on Amazon. It's like done. Like, oh, right. Okay. It's like, right. I, I trust the brand. I'm familiar. I got it. Versus the mm-hmm. new stuff, it's um, a, lot of, a lot of interesting. Uh, what have been some of your biggest challenges with you and the, t- the top team in terms of kind of rebooting into this growth mode? Because you've, to me, it seems like you've passed the point of no return. It's like you guys are doubling down on growth, which is fantastic. And and new bringing new life and new brands and all that stuff. But what's uh, any challenges along the way people could learn from? Gosh, <laughs> no, <many>. everything's perfect. <laughs> no, we have no challenges at HP. It's always hard to talk about. It's usually easier to talk about it at your last company, but you've been there 20 something years. So sorry. 
Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a really, really good question. And I would say, um, you know, the pivot, there's been a couple challenges and I'll, I'll give you two. One, um, the pivot from, um, selling transactionally, right? Um, historically we have been a personal systems and a print company. And I, I would yeah. argue that, um, you know, historically we we're, we're second to none in this machine of cranking out, um, and managing, um, you know, our four P's and our product execution from a transactional perspective. Um, where we're going is somewhere very different, which is we want to focus on outcome-based solutions. Um, we want to be your consultant to drive um, the outcomes that you're looking for and help you achieve your goals. Whether that whether that's, um, you know, a reduction in, let's just say it's a reduction in print in your organization. We hear that a lot. Oh, yeah. Guess what we have, we, we are shifting to say, we can help you reduce print. There's good print and there's bad print, meaning wasteful print. Um, there's print that, 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 um, that, um, overall is hurtful to your employees and, and what you're trying to accomplish. But then there's print that is critical. So how do we evaluate your in- environment and then come back and optimize that for you? Those kind of outcome-based um, selling motions is where we're headed. And, you know, we started this process about five years ago and well on our way now. And it's really exciting to see the growth and the opportunity in this outcome-based, um, um, you know, more of a consultative type approach. But that meant, we, you know, we, not, we need to change everything, right? You need to change um, you know, your comp plan. We need to change the, the models internally. We need to change our, uh, the way we track and, and, and how we accrue. And from a financial perspective, there's a lot of different things in there that, um, is working systemic. progress. Yeah. Yeah. yeah including, yeah. including sustainability, which I know you're a big, big, big proponent of and uh, leader on as well. Absolutely. I was going to say that that would be the second challenge that I was going to highlight. Oh, um, great. Um, it's a challenge, actually, but I would also go back to that theme of uh, more of an opportunity. You know, HP is one of the first companies that um, that published uh, our carbon footprint report. And sustainability has been in our DNA for a long time. Um, in fact, I think we published our first, we call it our sustainability impact report over 20 years ago. Um, and so the, the, the focus and the drive from where we started to where we are now has been significant. Um, and one of the things that we learned is um, it's great to have uh, a sustainability focus or an ESG team that focuses on all things ESG, but where we realize we can make the most impact is if we embed it into um, the DNA of organizations, right? The core businesses, and, and that's exactly what we did um, back in 2019. Um, in fact, for me, I, I manage North America, but I also am responsible for bringing all of our initiatives under the sustainability umbrella into the routes to market globally. So all of my counterparts around the world. And in doing so, we put we we implemented you know our, you know our um, sustainable conversations and understanding what our customers want and the scorecard that they're trying to deliver into right. our CRM right. tools, right? Training our sales organizations. In fact, we've tracked over, uh, I think it's just over $3.5 billion in new sales in just uh, 2021, which were sustainability criteria um, in the consideration. Hmm. And, and many of these large deals that we've won, uh, what put us over the edge was all of the work that we're doing under that sustainability um, um, focus, right? Another yeah. couple of proof points, right? 
we've launched more than 300 new products containing ocean bound plastic, which to me, um, I, I just love because it's not just launching 300 new products. It's what we're doing that we go all the way back down to the community level. And a great story here is, you know, you know, in, in Haiti, um, there was a lot of problems due, the, due to the to the weather and the and the cata- catastrophe that happened there with um, all of the good work that different organizations did to bring in, um, you know, food and sustenance and bottled water um, to the Haitian people actually created a problem where we were seeing a lot of ocean, those ocean bound plastics going into the ocean. So our supply chain team did a great job of saying, hey, I think we can go to Haiti and not only can we figure out how to um, uh, rework our supply chain to bring those those um, ocean bound plastics back down to the raw material and incorporate those plastics back into our supplies, right? Which to me, which is uh, so exciting. Not only are we helping on the planet side, but it's also on the community side where we're hiring um, local people to help us collect the bottles and incorporate that back, back into our supply chain. So lots of different, um, great story. Um, thanks. Yeah, yeah. Lots of different stories like that, but it, it's, it was a huge challenge. Um, and one that we're going to continue to focus on. And it's real, we have a big, big, um, I would say, uh, uh, a goal. It's a, it's a goal and it's a, it's to be the most, uh, just, and sustainable company in the world by 2035. So really, or 2030, I should say. So huge, you know, aspirational goal and something that we're very focused on achieving. I love it, Stephanie. Thanks for joining us today. Great stories, great reboot. Really want to uh, thank you for uh, coming on to Reboot Chronicles. And you've been listening to Stephanie Dismore from HP. This is Dean Tobias with the Reboot Chronicles. Want to thank you for joining us today and we will see you soon.